0: You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and Wayne McCurry from f Wealth and Investments. If you'd like to send questions, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.za, or tweet us on X at business day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, David, Wayne, good evening to you both. Um, <laughs> Wayne, I feel like I should start with you, given that it looks like something out of a <laughs> Halloween horror show. <laughs> In Clearly- the dark, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, can you enlighten us as to what happened on the markets today? Um, there was, I mean, yesterday was a, a, a real stunk of a day. It's fantastic yeah. Yeah. to see gains of 3% um, on the all share index. We haven't had one of those days for a long time. And then everything kind of fizzled out today, although the RAN came back um, even more strongly. Um, do you think maybe there was just a bit of a, a, a pause after yesterday's rally?
1: Look, oft, normally after you get a full 3% move in the market, and the next stage normally gives back a fair proportion of that. And I'm sure it's been spoken about a lot, but I think this sort of change in sentiment, improvement in the RAND, etc., is on the back of some comments once again about interest rates out of America. I mean, the one federal uh, bank uh, chairman, not the chairman, one of, one of the members, Yeah actually said that he doesn't think interest rates are going to go up again. And, of course, the whole sentiment is improved by, despite the wall, the new wall, um, is improved by the oil price coming down from, you know, the high 90s to the mid-80s. You know, that certainly has helped sentiment quite a bit around inflation. So I think it's all to do with that. and, And, you know, the market, as I said right in the beginning, after such a day yesterday, being flat is actually quite good, especially considering the rand was stronger. So you got richmond uh, and you know a couple of the other rand-head shares down quite materially.
0: Yeah, David, just on the point of Richmond's coming down quite materially, was that in a, a sort of a sympathetic sell-off? in light of what happened to LVMH, uh, where the shares were down about 7%, one analyst saying the roaring 20s are over. Um, this was, of course, the, you know, the years of the pandemic where the luxury goods companies just made money hands over fist. I think the sales were only up 9% over the quarter compared to 17% the previous quarter. Or do you think it's just a little bit of air being let out of the system?
2: Sure. I mean, 9% is still incredible. What happened is the analysts got it wrong. The company didn't get it wrong. You know what I mean? And We always forget that. The company did pretty well. The analysts were a little too enthusiastic and uh, maybe uh, needed to sharpen their pencil. I couldn't see, to be honest, I couldn't see the kind of numbers that they were forecasting, particularly in an environment where interest rates uh, were persistently high and going to stay higher. So, uh, it'll come back this is certainly not the end of LVMH because if you go through the numbers um you know division by division they're still very strong the only thing is no one's drinking booze you know they're drinking yes. champagne yeah. but but that worried me that uh um, you know when it came to the whiskies and all the the uh, uh, sorry the brandies and that uh that was down quite a bit so i don't know i don't know where things are going wrong in that area but champagne they're not giving up
0: you
2: no. know, and not giving up. Bulgari had incredibly good results. So I think Richmond was down on the back of it. But mm. don't ride off LVMH quite yet.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, so I saw some wag on Twitter say, well, maybe the ANC isn't washing its hands in enough champagne. <laughs> <It is. laughs> For the decline sales of Moët."
2: Yeah.
0: You know, maybe the, <laughs> the Hennessy isn't really being poured into the bathtubs <laughs> like it was a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, but just on, uh, you know, Wayne talked about a, a flat day is actually commendable in the circumstances of what happened the day before but volumes on the JSE are really really low what 13 14 billion rand and actually there's a question that came in about purple uh, purple uh, group in which I own shares, and I I had a look at uh, how I have done on that shareholding, not very well. I mean, the stock is now back below 80 cents. Um, And the viewer says, what's causing the sustained downward move on purple shares? Can we expect more losses to the share price? Wayne, do you think that's mainly a function of lower volumes on the South African market and just, um, you know, people putting Mm. money into, because interest rates are so high, any disposable income that they may have had to trade has kind of been sucked up by their debt obligations?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, obviously higher interest rates never good for the share market. For that very reason, as you said, people would put their money in the bank or buy government bonds because you're getting such a high yield. And this is a, a very normal phenomenon in a period of high and rising interest rates for the stock market and the shares that are directly related to volume and trades through the stock market you actually take a little bit of a little bit of strain, but of course you know cycles do change, as I keep on saying. You know, the next two or three years will be in a downward interest rate cycle, and then the whole thing changes and picks up again. Hmm.
0: David, do you look at Purple Group? It's, it's you know, I, I we always feel responsible at the Financial Mail. You know, we <coughs> joke about our kiss of death covers. <laughs> so we had Charles Savage on, and that was the start of last year, where you know the share price had been up phenomenally. It, it was over three rand a share. Um they are operating in a very very tough market. Um so you uh, do you think it's more a reflection yeah. on the market in which they operate or the business itself?
2: Well, you have to understand where they operate. You know, in in at the low end of the market. This is not in the institutional market and that's gone flat as you mentioned that there's absolutely no volumes on the JSC at all. And a lot of it has to do with the non-performance of the JSC. You know, if you look at the year, the JSC is up. We just managed, thanks to yesterday, to creep back into the positive. So we're up 1%. And a lot of the gains that have come have come from... Some of the larger caps. Um, so, so you haven't got that speculative edge that we had, I think, last year with Purple and Renogen. Have you seen Renogen as well? Another previous favorite of, yeah. of, of the market has just fallen aside. The story just doesn't, you know, capture people's imagination. So I think a lot has to do with the just the view in the market, the feeling of the market at all. Not easy.
0: No, OK, so um, in light of what's been happening to the JSE, um, a viewer sends uh, a question on portfolio structure and he talks about local versus offshore. He says, I watched an insightful interview on Business with Pete Yun and Magnus Haystek on portfolio structuring, which prompted me to look <laughs> at me uh, at the structuring of my own portfolio. Currently, over a two year period, I hold 30 percent in local stocks with a gain of 11 percent. in U.S. stocks with a gain of 19%, and only recently 12% in European stocks, ASML and Shell, with a loss of 2%. Does this seem to be a balanced portfolio with an opportunity to invest in the Japanese market if or when the czar strengthens? Uh, Everyone is talking about the Japanese market at the moment. Uh, can,
2: Can I just quickly come in there as well? Sure. The one thing about the Japanese market... And everybody talks about the Japanese market, but there's something called the Japanese yen. And if you can read the yen, good luck to you. Where Buffett has gone in and where he's clever because he's been buying what he calls, uh, they're all trading companies, which are almost like conglomerates. And now they're talking about him going in to buy, I think, banks or whatever it is, some other. The thing is that he borrows. In other words, he borrows the money to invest. So he doesn't take any uh currency exposure you're with me
0: so he borrows yen in japan to invest to take his yeah. position okay okay yes
2: yeah so that's that's how he you know if you look at that so he doesn't take any currency exposure because if you take currency exposure believe me if you do the numbers you're not going to beat this you know you're going to get caught in the offside trap <laughs> in other words in the currency trap so that's how he does it you want to go into japan don't put money in borrow money and buy it if you could take that kind of risk and if you've got if you've got the kind of assets that you can get the collateral to get the borrowing okay. Ra- rates are zero you know you're not there aren't any interest rates in in Japan, so you can make it but just understand that when you talk about japan before you before you go into there, just try and get a grip on that currency
0: okay i mean wayne is there a, okay having said that uh if you don't maybe have that capacity to borrow money in japan and buy uh, or in, uh to borrow yen and buy japanese stocks do you buy uh, an etf that's locally based or then uh, what the, what happens to the yen is that still going to potentially bite you
1: Yeah, you know, the yen you know unless you hedge out the currency but you don't necessarily have to, I mean, it sounds a bit sophisticated, but you know, if your investment banker can do it for you, you can just take out a forward contract on the currency where you effectively eliminate, so it's the same as borrowing in, in yen. you effectively eliminate the, the movement of the currency in your investment. So then it's just how your share does, positive or negative, relative to the cost of the of, of taking out that forward, which is effectively exactly the same as borrowing money in Japan or borrowing money in yen. So there's lots of forward-forward contracts you can get, and they, they are actually quite readily available.
0: Um, And Wayne, just to the uh, initial part of the question on the portfolio construction as it is, 12% in Europe, 58% uh, um, U.S. stocks, and 30% local stocks. Does that seem fair to you?
1: Well, look, it depends on the definition of local stocks. If it's JSE listed shares, you're not getting local stocks. Eh? So if it's local stocks like the retailers and the banks, 30 percent's probably over time too high. Although right now I would keep it there because there is, there is quite a bit of upside on that. And of course, if I'm right, and we've been discussing this for so long now, the RAND could strengthen quite significantly in the medium term. It's a two-year view, whatever. But over time, everything else being equal, in other words, if the RAND was at 17 and not at 19, Mm. which 17 is more or less the fair value, if the RAND was there, then I would think 30% in domestic South African shares is too high. But as I said, if they say domestic shares 30%, meaning JSE shares, that's not domestic South African shares. Only a very small proportion of that will be South Africa. The rest are the the big giants nice bros Richmond, etc yep. and then the mining companies that have other than the platinum mines got very really little interest in south africa
0: yeah david um in your view uh do you think you are lacking some emerging market exposure say or actually no. is it's no do you think uh no. <laughs> or does it actually no. or english market exposure no. <laughs> i just i
2: as I've said, I choose twenty, twenty-five companies. I say, what are the best companies that I want to own, and I look, I look at that, and I don't care where they are, as long as they're not in Japan. But I mean, <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I look at businesses, and I and and uh, I buy that. I don't look at the geographic area. If there's a South African company, I'll take it. You know, and also consider because to a large extent, especially. Um, you know, especially European, American companies, even South African, as Wayne was mentioning, they're not South African companies. Yeah. You know, they're international. So they're earning their money uh, in different regions. So if you go look at LVMH this morning, you know, just going through there 30% of their money is earned in, say, China, 30% in the US, 30% in Europe, you know, 10% elsewhere. So most of the international businesses are like that. You know, yeah. so. Uh, Um, You get your worldwide exposure anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly,
0: yeah. There's a question on two domestic stocks. Uh, Please could you ask the panel their views on AVI and Discovery and whether uh, either or both are a buy right now. Wayne, what do you think?
1: Look, I think AVI is a buy. I really like the company. I'm not sure why they still got I and J because it, it adds no value to the AE. To the to the a- AVI share price at all. It is so volatile. It is such a difficult industry. But besides that, I mean, I'm hearing lots of, just as, as an aside comment now, I'm hearing lots of stories about this new diet drug and no one wants to snack anymore <laughs> and buy biscuits and eat little snacks. Uh, this, is what, this is what I'm hearing about now. But the, a- the AVI snack business is very good. They are one of the only domestic companies that can push through price increases to maintain margins. Even though they suffer a little bit on volume, their product range is so good people will actually pay up for it. And that's a a very good attribute to have. Discovery, I think is a little bit expensive. Discovery always uh, is short on cash. So you never get your your profits paid out in the dividends. So I would be... A little bit cautious about discovery
0: now. Mm. You know that is such a curious comment on on people avoiding snacks, uh, and just on that on those uh, weight loss drugs, what uh, Zempic and Wegovy, uh, and I think we mentioned it before on the show. Novo Nordisk, which is the Danish uh-huh. pharmaceutical company that has pioneered um, these these uh-huh. uh, drugs, has basically overtaken the size of the Danish economy. Uh, it's just had an extraordinary, but. Uh, is it something that we should actually consider that, um, especially in sort of US food groups, or uh, if, if people are eating more healthily, or do you think that's just a little too left field?
2: I was listening to the CFO of uh, PepsiCola yesterday, or PepsiCo yesterday, and they were asking him that same question. Because if you looked at the range of goods that he has, it's a mother's nightmare. You know, from 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 Pepsi Cola to all the different snacks and, you know, people do eat it. I doubt whether the vast amount of the vast um, public are going to give up that kind of snacking. You know, and, and start taking these drugs. I mean, they're very specific drugs. You know, they, I think they kind of become celebrity drugs now. They're quite expensive and so on. Mm. But uh, Eli Lilly is another one that has the, the drug as well. And <laughs> I'm just looking at the market today. Both Nova Nordis and Eli Lilly are just shooting the lights out. So it just shows you on the pharmaceutical sites. Uh, you get the right mix, and there it goes. But just be careful. I mean, it's uh, by careful. I, I, I mean, sometimes these things do overshoot.
0: Yeah, and and back to AVI. Uh, Wayne was saying that um, he can't understand why they still have INJ. I. Um, I, I, I mean, it, do you think uh, why wouldn't they sell it? Why do they hold on to it?
2: I, you know, just out of it's just out of balance with everything they have. You know, all the other brands that they have are fast-moving consumer goods or whatever, or, or you know, really, this is, fishing is a is is, a, is a commodity. It's like the chickens, you know. You've got to get in a boat there, put diesel in, which is expensive, hope that the waves don't topple the boat, go out there, try to find the fish, bring them back, and, you know, there are all kinds of issues. So it, it's always an up-and-down business, and then, uh you've got to sell it either offshore or whatever it is the prices of you know price of fish changes so much i i just think it's uh just stay away from anything like that it's just so volatile and so erratic and take that away you've got some seriously good brands in avr So I agree with Wayne, but they're not going to listen to us. So, you know, whatever we <laughs> so say. So pointless,
0: really. Well, <laughs> um, and, and Discovery, Wayne was saying he thinks they're a little bit uh, pricey at this point in time. It,
2: it's a tough industry. You know, it's it, it really is a tough industry and a tough environment here as well. Their businesses are okay. They're doing well. But it's 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 really difficult to grow that in in this local economy and offshore as well. It's very competitive, very very tight. Mm. I don't I don't dislike them, but I don't think you're going to make huge amounts of money going into it.
0: Mm. Um, so we got. I think to, that applies guess...
2: just generally applies to to most of the financial services in a in a difficult environment. You know, I'm not. It's not unique to discovery.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, PSG uh, Consult came out with results today, which were which were pretty good. I don't know if.
2: Yeah, they were quite good. Yeah.
0: If they, I, I, I don't know why I mentioned well, them in relation to Discovery so. because they actually are, uh, you know, they're quite different. Although Discovery's got the uh, the investment part of the business, um, but just on a financial services company that seems to be taking market share from others, uh, we sp- we spoke to the the CEO a few months ago for the FM, and he was saying it's because they have this advice led model, and when markets are much tougher, people like the advice, which is why they have have done quite well. I I don't know if PSG Consult would interest (laughs) either of you if you were a potential buyer.
2: I love that. (laughs) Now, they've got an army of people that cover the whole country, you know, (laughs) and... And uh, it, it depends on the quality of the sales force because most people will buy anything. You know, you could come into my household and bless my wife, you could sell her anything. You know, if I'm not here to say <laughs> no. <laughs> She's standing next to me. I'm going to get a club as soon as this show's over. you're uh, you in deep trouble. You're, you're not you are d- in dinner. deep trouble. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is that they they've got a very good sales force, you know, and very well-organized business. And uh, I think it's a result of that. I don't take anything away from the quality of service, but don't underestimate yeah. their their reach. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's something a lot of people
1: don't realize, is essentially the life assurers, and to maybe a lesser extent the banks, are actually just marketing machines. Uh, uh, mm. they, they're there to sell. Yeah. You know, the share price doesn't go up and down on the quality of the product they got. Share price goes up and down on how many products they sell mm. and do they give proper service to their clients? do they do all the right things but it's a client relationship selling organization that's what it is yeah and if you haven't got the distribution, no matter how good your product is, you're not selling
0: yeah mm. okay
2: absolutely right i mean it's i mean that it's, and it's very valuable uh, insight. that that's what they are you know to a large large amount of the people go out there and haven't got the financial knowledge and they'll buy what, <laughs> what these machines sell them. Mm. That's, that's financial services.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, I remember one uh, cartoon. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was in the Wall Street Journal or where it was, but it was a bemused-looking uh, layperson such as us uh, on a deck um, asking, where are all uh, the investors' yachts? Um, so it wasn't, yeah. uh, you know, where's... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, mm. Anyway, the viewer who sent us a question about his portfolio construction just wants to tell us what his local stocks are and he says, Bidvest, Mondi, 91, Sunlam, and ShopRite. So that is
1: okay. quite That's a very really good Africa. selection but 91 uh, but, is uh, uh, not a local company and okay. Mondi is certainly not a local company.
0: No. I mean, that's quite a concentrated bunch of shares, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, they're good yeah. businesses.
1: Good businesses, but it it, it maybe is. I mean, uh, for all the years I've been in investments, and it's much shorter than a number of years that David's been (laughs) in investments, (laughs) there's been this argument against diversifying your portfolio and concentrating your portfolio. When I was a youngster, concentration of portfolio was everything. Whereas now, when I'm older, I realize diversification is actually
0: Mm. everything. Mm. Okay. Then uh, another viewer, sends it's a fairly complicated question, so I, it's, it's a little bit hard, um, and it's actually on shareholder language, just on, on how complicated it is for the average shareholder to figure out what on earth a company is telling you in their sense statement. Um, but he mentions Quilter. He says, my Quilter mini-mouse shares, not Mickey, are going under transformation in early November. My queries go unheeded from the investor companies concerned. Um, do you know what's happening to Quilter Shares? Is there some sort of action that's, uh, that you can recall? Not that really. I can recall. No. Of this thing?
2: Okay. I don't know. I, you know, if that could be more specific, I'm not quite sure what, uh, you know, what the reference is to. Okay. Right. To just, be honest, just on... I don't watch it that closely, you know. Yeah. I don't... Uh, it's not one you know, just, it. just
1: on 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 communication. Companies must learn that communication with the market is vitally important. And the second point is, the less you can understand because it's in language you can't comprehend or understand, you must just be a little bit cautious, possibly. Mm. Yeah.
0: And yet, to be honest, I would say that for just about every insurance company, uh, most especially Discovery, uh, but not limited to Discovery, if you look at Old Mutual, for example, their results, you—it's yeah. reams they and use reams of paperwork, that, and you actually yeah. don't You've got to be So careful with
1: acronyms.
2: <coughs> they a, got all these acronyms.
1: Yeah, I know a director uh, who's now retired, but he was a director of three seriously large financial services banking organisations in South Africa. And he said when he goes to a board meeting, as part of the board pack was a two-page things of all the acronyms and what they stand for.
2: <laughs> oh, you see, like, most of the insurance companies get the actuaries to write the financial reports, you know. <laughs> and, 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 and that makes it so difficult to understand. And there's as also inconsistencies.
1: Yeah, but as we've learned through bitter mm-hmm. experience, the one thing you can't get around, and the one thing you can't fudge, and the one thing you can't hide in page 38 is what cash did your business <laughs> yeah, generate?
0: Okay, just hone in on that number. Okay, I think you've got about a minute between the two of you for your stock picks this evening in this rather uh, treacherous market. David, what is uh, yours? I, I,
2: a company that I've liked very much is a company called Next Era Energy. It's one of the few. Um, utilities that that is clean and uh so it's come under a bit of pressure because of higher interest rates like all utilities and that and it's been knocked recently and that i just it's one of the businesses that that i would buy at these levels still very profitable very good dividends but hurt by squeeze margins because of uh in a high interest rates sorry i know we haven't got time to go yeah. into it any further.
0: Okay, it's quite an interesting chart that we've got up, going back to 2004. Um, so, had a spectacular rise and, and, and quite a precipitous decline. Um, uh, Wayne, how about you?
1: Well, I've only got 30 seconds and I think my light here has got less than 30 seconds. <laughs> going for absolute forward dividend yield of almost 9%, we'll still make decent earnings. It looks quite cheap.
0: Okay, Wayne <laughs> McCurry, the soul of brevity. <laughs> Thank you very much, Wayne. And good luck with your power situation. Uh, uh, David Shapiro is from Sasson Securities. Wayne McCurry is from FB Wealth and Investments. Uh, up next, the close. Do you stay with us. <laughs>